Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Well, we are, uh, we're, we're really good at disagreeing on things, right? We're really good at not being unified. Uh, we live in a world full of disagreements. And so to kind of show you uh, what I'm talking about, I'm going to take you down the meme train. Yes, that's meme, M-E-M-E, the meme train. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to start uh, with this, that, that one does not uh, simply disagree in 2020. Uh, maybe we'll get you up. There we go. Uh, one does not uh, simply disagree politely in 2020. Okay, that's not what we do. We don't simply just disagree politely. Unfortunately, uh, in our culture, uh, what ends up happening is that we we disagree with name calling. Uh, we disagree with with harsh words. Uh, we disagree with eye rolls, and uh, you know we we dismiss the person that we're disagreeing with. Uh, which, by the way. Contrary to popular belief, you can you can disagree with someone and not dismiss them, right? Uh, I think we've 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 lost the art of that of disagreeing and uh, and not dismissing, um, but we can do that, okay? But un- unfortunately, what happens in 2020 often is that the very same behavior that we correct and we try to discipline out of our toddlers, we find ourselves kind of doing, uh, you know, in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and on, right? Okay, so uh, the, the next one here, this is uh, from Gru. Uh, I'll, I'll need help on this one because it's a lot, of, a lot of wording. There we go, okay. Uh, Gru says, I, I, uh, he says, I will post something politically polarizing. His plan is forming, right? Then uh, I will yell at anyone who doesn't agree with me. And then it's getting really, really good, right? I, I will tell anyone who doesn't fully agree with me to unfriend me. But then I will have no friends, right? And this is often what happens. I don't know if you've seen this before, but I promise you it happens. Uh, you know, in, in, in 2020, when it comes to social media, often what happens is, is we'll post something just crazy polarizing. Like, we know for a fact that 50% of people in America don't agree with this, okay? Um, but we're going to post it anyway. We're going to put it out there, right? And, and then uh, in the comments, right, as people are commenting in the comments, we meet them and we go, hey, if you don't like it, unfriend me, you know? And then we're like, why am I so lonely? (laughs) Like, why don't I have any friends? Well, it's because you told everyone to unfriend you, you know? So that's kind of why. Or this, uh, we we go to this meme. Uh, We say, if if you voted for this clown, all right? If you voted for this clown in the 2020 election, unfriend me now. But unfortunately, it's not uh, not that clown, okay, that's that's pictured in those memes, right? It's our president uh, or our president-elect. Either way, um, we put it out there and we go, unfriend me now, right? Just like Gru. And we wonder, again, why we don't have any friends. Um, and, then, uh, and then the last one is this, because I believe that there's hope still for us. Uh, here we have Ron and Leslie. And uh, if Ron and Leslie can get along while politically disagreeing with everything the other one believes, which if you've seen Parks and Rec, you know it's true, 
then you can let people on social media have different opinions than you do without calling them Hitler or whatever. That's my favorite one. Uh, and so we, we struggle with this, right? Like if we're going to disagree with someone, like we're going to go all in, okay? Like we're going to not just disagree with them, but we're going to dismiss them and we're going to, you know, uh, just use behavior and language, like I said, that we try to discipline out of our toddlers. But we can't do this. We have to get this right. When it comes to the unity conversation, we have to get this right. Because last week we talked about in John chapter 17, Jesus says in the high priestly prayer, he, he prays for unity for people that follow him. But why does he pray for unity for the people that follow him? He specifically prays so that they will believe in him, right? So that they will believe in him. It's, it's as if uh, people in the world, they're window shopping Christianity, right? They're, they're, they're walking down the avenue. They're walking down the road, and, and they're looking into these windows. And, and they come across these different religious windows, Christianity being one of them. I think the interesting thing in 2020 is, is you know, for, for many people, they're not just Christian or they're not just Baptist. They're what? Religious or they're spiritual. And if you're here today and you're going, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a religious person or I'm a spiritual person, um, and, and, and you're here investigating the claims of Christ, then we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. If you're joining us online, you're going, hey, I'm religious, or I'm spiritual, and I don't really know yet about the claims of Christ, then we welcome you. We're so glad that you're joining us online. Uh, we want you to investigate those claims along with us. Here at, at Redemption, we believe in Christianity. We believe that Jesus is the only way. Um, and, and as people are going through life, they're window-shopping religion, based off of what they see in that window. And unfortunately, often, they look into the window of Christianity, right, as they window shop, and they go, that shop's in disarray, right? Like, people there, like, they don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, things are broken and, and, and dismantled and dusty, and, and, and they don't really have their, their stuff together. And so uh, as they go through there, what happens? They, they pass the window of Christianity, and they go, you know what? I'm going to check out Hinduism. I'm going to check out Buddhism. I'm going to check out you know, Judaism. I'm going to check out something else. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. He, he actually said last week, we looked at it, he said, if you, if you, if you, if you didn't you know, join us last week, then I encourage you, go read John chapter 7. He said, you need to be unified. And why do you, why do you need to be unified? So that they will believe that I am who I say I am, that I am Jesus, God, the one who will be crucified and resurrect from the grave. See, Jesus knew that, that our unity or disunity would create either doorways or barriers to the gospel. It would create doorways or barriers to people believing that Jesus is who he says he is. We have to get this right. So what hangs in the balance of us being able to disagree with one another and still achieve unity? People's eternities, literally everything. We can't get this wrong. We have to get it right. Okay, um, so <clears throat> we, need to, we need to ask these two questions. This is what we're going to be answering today. We're going to ask these questions. We're going to answer these questions. Can we disagree with each other and still be unified? That's number one. And number two is what does it take to stay unified through a disagreement? How can we stay unified while also disagreeing, Okay. 
If you're married right now, you're hanging on the edge of your seat, and you're like, yes, finally, right? Like, how can we stay unified and disagree? Like, yeah, 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 for the church, that's great. But man, it'd be awesome if we could be unified in my household, even though we disagree on things. Uh, if you've had a roommate, you get this, right? I mean, when it comes to roommates, I've, I've had several roommates in my, in my life. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to roommates, a disagreement is fine. You can have a little bit of a disagreement. But the moment that there's disunity, you're counting down the days till your lease is up and you can hightail it out of there, right? I mean, this is, this is a struggle for us. Um, I, I, I know back when I was in college, people's entire college experiences literally ended at university uh, because their roommate was uh, not, not uh, chosen, right, or not choice for them. Um, and so this is something that we've all struggled with. Like, how can we be unified even though we disagree, okay? So we're going to dig into that first question. Can we disagree with each other and still be unified? Uh, so we're going to go to Scripture. Here at Redemption, we do something um, every single time that we go to Scripture. We start in the same place. And the reason we do this is because we all want to get there together. Uh, no man or woman left behind. It's like a saving Private Ryan, but with Scripture. So we're going to go to, uh, we're, we're going to, sorry for the military reference. Anyway, we're going to go to the table of contents, okay? So if you have, if you have a Bible, you can open up to the table of contents. If you, have, um, if you have a phone, go ahead and open your phone to the table of contents. We're going to start there. All right, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 15. Um, Acts is in the New Testament. It's right after the Gospels. There's a, a, a chunk of, of books in the New Testament called the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. Those are the four accounts of Jesus' life. Right after that is a book called Acts, or Acts of the Apostles. And specifically, Acts of the Apostles is, is essentially the telling of what happened in the first century church um, right after Jesus resurrects, okay? Um, and right after he ascends. So, uh, Acts chapter 1. They're kind of standing out there in a field like a bunch of turkeys. If, if you've ever seen turkeys stand in a field when it's raining, they're like this, right? Heads up in the, heads up in the sky. I grew up in, in Ohio. Uh, we, we saw turkeys with their heads in the sky. Maybe you, maybe you didn't. Anyway, uh, but they're all standing there. They're looking in the sky, and Jesus ascends. He takes off. And, uh, and the rest of the book is all about uh, the stories of the early church, what happens. Okay, so we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 15. Um, in Acts and Luke, by the way, they're both written by the same person. They're written by Luke. Um, and he's writing them specifically to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus is a wealthy man who wanted, he, he wanted an investigative account of the claims of Christ and the claims of his apostles, his, his closest followers. And so Theophilus, he commissions Luke to go and, and, and record these moments in history. Luke writes all these things, and uh, it turns out, according to Luke's telling, that uh, the claims of Christ and the apostles are in fact true. Barnabas uh, is one of the characters that we're going to be looking at today. Okay, he's a lesser known uh, man, but his name is Barnabas. And then there's a greater known man that we're going to talk about, and his name is Paul. We know, we know who Paul is. But specifically Barnabas, I'm going to give you a quick history lesson on him. There are 270 chapters in the New Testament, um, and Barnabas' name only appears in 10 of those chapters. Okay, so he's not, he's not all over the New Testament. Uh, he's not a writer of even one of those 27 New Testament books. Um, so who is this guy? Who's Barnabas? Well, first of all, his real name isn't Barnabas. His real name is Joseph. So uh, if, if, you, uh, you know, if you didn't know that, uh, it's crazy. His, his real name is not Barnabas, it's Joseph. Acts 4, uh, verses 36 through 37, I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, for instance, uh, there was Joseph, the one who the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. 
Okay, so this guy Barnabas, uh, he's, he's known as Barnabas. He's nicknamed as Barnabas because it means the son of encouragement. And here at, at this church, at Redemption, uh, there are several of you that I, that I would actually nickname Barnabas. I, I think uh, one of those guys is, is Craig Bodenschatz. Um, text me often. Another one, D- Danny, uh, uh, Danny Moore. I mean, I mean, several of you people, uh, you, you're so encouraging and so uplifting, and, uh, and I would nickname you Barnabas. You, you, you're the son of encouragement. You're always encouraging. Well, this was this guy, Barnabas. He was just always encouraging uh, the church and the apostles. Okay, so um, what we know about him is that he was very generous. Well, what did he own? He owned a field. Now listen, it doesn't matter if it's 2020 or if it's, or if it's you know, 1020, right, or, or just 20. Um, a, a field is it's prime real estate, right? I mean, it's, it's real estate. And, and, uh, and if, if you follow anyone who's, who's financially savvy, they say invest in real estate. Well, he had this field, and he ends up selling this field, and he gives the money to what? He gives it to the church. He gives it to the apostles. And, you know, the crazy thing at this time is that, is that you know, we know today, and they knew then, but, but, but we really have to emphasize it today, that the church is not a building that you drive to, but it's a movement of Christ followers that you choose to be a part of, right? We know this. But, but, but see, in the, in the first century, like, they really got it. Why did they really get it? Because there was no building, right? There was no building. And so um, the, the, there weren't buildings that they drove to. There were synagogues and things, but the church wasn't allowed to have those yet. Yeah. And so there were no buildings. Um, and so they understood. It was a movement of Christ followers they chose to be a part of. And the money that Barnabas got from that uh, field sa- uh, sale, he gave it to the apostles, and it went straight to the ministry of seeing other people know about Jesus. Now, here's the crazy thing about Barnabas. Okay, remember, there were... How many chapters were there in the, New, in the uh, uh, New Testament? 270, right? Okay, now listen, listen. In 270 chapters in the New Testament, we don't have one quote from Barnabas. Not one. Not one quote. But Barnabas' influence echoed throughout the early church. Though we don't have the words of Barnabas, he discipled Paul and John Mark. Okay, John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark, and he ended up starting uh, the church in Alexandria. Paul wrote 13 of the 27 New Testament books, and he started churches all over Asia Minor in Europe. And so though we don't know uh, the words from Barnabas, his fingerprints are on everything. His, his, uh, you know, um, his influence is unmistakable. So who are we talking about with Paul and Barnabas? Okay, these two men. They, they, are, they are two men who are extremely mature believers. They're, they're very mature Christ followers. Uh, um, Barnabas most likely saw Christ pre crucifixion, okay? Uh, in the Luke account of the gospel, we see this. We see that, that, that there were 70 disciples that were very close to Jesus. When, when you think of Jesus, okay, here's Jesus. He had uh, one really close inner circle of three men, all right? Then he had a, uh, you know, like the next circle of 12. Those three were part of that 12. But then he had 70 disciples, okay? Later on, we see 120. So he has these kind of circles that, like, get bigger as his ministry goes on. But 70 disciples, and Barnabas was most likely part of this. He's mentioned as part of that. And, uh, and so he, he was around Jesus pre-crucifixion. Um, and then he most likely saw the resurrected Savior as well. And Paul, 
what do we know about Paul? Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was a religious leader. Uh, Paul was a part of this group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they're these people that are filled with pomp and religion. They, they, they made more rules than God even gave them. Uh, they prided themselves in being rule followers and rule makers. Um, and Jesus had a real problem with them, right, throughout, throughout his, his uh, time, his ministry. He, he had some, some pretty harsh words for the Pharisees. Well, Paul was one of these Pharisees. And, uh, and so Paul most likely saw Jesus pre, pre-crucifixion, uh, but we know for sure that Paul did see Jesus post-crucifixion and uh, resurrection uh, on the road to Damascus, okay? So we're talking about these two men, very mature uh, Christ followers, and they're not wavering. Like, they believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life. They believe that he's the only way, um, and they believe uh, that Jesus is everything, and they'll stop at nothing to tell others about this Jesus. So these are the two men that we're talking about. Now let, let's get into, uh, oh, wait, before we get there, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 13 real quick, and then we're going to jump into our, our, our main scripture. All right, so Acts chapter 13. So Barnabas and Saul, uh, they, were out by the, or they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia, and they sailed for the island of Cyprus. Remember, that is where Barnabas is from. He's from Cyprus, okay? It's going to come up again later on, by the way. Uh, there in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues, and they preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Okay, so notice here, there's a trio. It's Barnabas, Saul, who's also Paul, and uh, John Mark, okay, who's, who's Mark. He, and by the way, um, Barnabas and John Mark, they're cousins, okay? Um, so uh, I, I, know it's, I know it's riveting to hear family trees, but anyway, they're cousins. It, it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's relevant in here. So all three of them, they're going down, uh, going town to town, and, and they're sharing the gospel. And, and if, if, you're, if you're living a life, if, if, you, if, you, if you're living a life in which you leave your life, whatever they were doing beforehand, right? You leave what you were doing originally, and you go, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with these two men, and we're going to go town to town, and we're going to tell everyone about this man that we knew that we believe he's the son of God. Okay, he was crucified, and then three days later, he rose from the grave, broke out of the grave, uh, showing that he is God, that he defeated death, and that, that he rules over death and life, that he's everything. Uh, we're going to go tell everybody about this. Um, I guarantee you, the bond between those three men were unbreakable, right? Extremely close. Like, they, were, like they, had, they had this unbreakable bond. They were so close. Um, but even though it was unbreakable, it turns out, there might have been a break in it. We'll see. Acts chapter 15. Okay, we're going to go to verse 36. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city uh, where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. And Barnabas, he agreed. And he wanted to take along John Mark. Okay, enter here, polarized opinion. Here we go. But Paul disagreed strongly since uh, John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and he had not continued with them in their work. Did you get this? Like John Mark, he, he left. He, he hightailed. They, they, were, they were doing the, you know, the Lord's work, and John Mark's like, hey, I'm not cut out for this. I'm going to go take a sabbatical. So he walks away. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark, and where'd they go? They went home. Sailed for Cyprus. Went to Barnabas' home. Uh, Paul, he chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, and strengthening the church is there. Okay, so they have this serious disagreement, like a really big disagreement, and, and it, it and ends up splitting them. They actually take separate paths. There's this divergent, all of a sudden, that happens uh, because of their disagreement. There's a fallout. 
But notice something here. What didn't change? The mission. The mission didn't change. See, see Paul, he, he goes one way with Silas, and, and, and Barnabas, he goes another way with John Mark. But what doesn't change? Their commitment to what they're doing. Their commitment to the mission, it doesn't change. That they're continued in the same mission just apart from one another. They're not together, but they're continuing in their, in, in their mission. So the question is, can we disagree and still be unified? It seems so. It seems so. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, they, they disagreed, and they, they didn't continue together, um, and, and, but they were unified in their mission, right? It never changed uh, for them. And so I, I think Paul and Barnabas, they understood this, that unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. It, just because uh, you, you are unified in something doesn't mean you're, you're, you're uniform, right? You're, you're completely the same in every aspect of that thing. See, Barnabas and Paul, they were both unified on sharing the gospel, on getting the message of Jesus out to the streets, to the people, to the community. They were unified in this, but they weren't uniform in how they were going to go about it. They were, they, were, they were unified. They had unity in what? The most important thing. But the uniformity wasn't there in how they were going to go about it or who they were going to take with them, right? So the question we need to look at now is what does it take to stay unified even through a disagreement? Now, I believe that we see in this story, uh, the answer is this. It's a correct perspective. It's a correct perspective. See, see, Paul and Barnabas, they both had the exact same perspective. And the perspective was this, that the most important thing is not continuing in my career. The most important thing is, is not making the money that I was making or making the money that I could make in the future. The most important thing is not holding a public office or all the public offices that I could hold. The most important thing is not starting more businesses or, or, or on and on and on. The most important thing is telling others about the life-changing story of a man who was crucified and left the grave walking, alive, right? Like, this is life-changing for me. I can't not tell everybody about it. And so Paul and Barnabas, they know that this is the thing that they believe in. This is the thing that is paramount and everything. It's, it's the perspective. It's the biggest thing in their life. Everything else pales in comparison. Everything else is minute in comparison to, to, to the biggest thing, which is that Jesus, a man, rose from the grave. And that's the correct perspective that they have. Unity is not uniformity, but they were definitely unified. They were unified on the mission. And that's why Paul, he so emphatically, he says this. This is one of my favorite verses. He says this when facing certain death in Rome. He's getting ready to be killed in Rome. He knows it. He knows he will not return. Um, scripture doesn't tell us what happened. History does. However, uh, historical accounts tell us uh, that Paul uh, was beheaded in Rome. And so uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says this, but my life is worth nothing to me. That's what Paul says. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless. Now, I don't know what you would say here. Um, I remember hearing a story uh, from Jimmy Fallon about Jimmy Fallon. He was talking about being so depressed in his, in his, in his comic um, career. And he said, my only goal was to be on Saturday Night Live by 21. I had to be on Saturday Night Live by 21 years old. He goes, you know what? If I'm not on Saturday Night Live by 21 years old, 
I think I'm going to end it. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to end it. Because my life is worth nothing to me unless, is what Jimmy Fallon said, right? He didn't say those exact words, but that's what he's saying. What would you say? If, if, if I took away something from your life, if I removed it from you, would you say that, hey, it, my life, it, I, can't, I can't even move on anymore. Now, whatever that looks like for you, I, I just can't even move on. Because my life is worth nothing, nothing to me, unless Paul says this. But what does Paul say? He doesn't say, unless I get on Saturday Night Live. He doesn't say, unless I own a business, or unless I'm making millions, or, or unless I'm married, or unless I have kids, or unless I have this, or unless I have that. He says, but my, wife, my, my, my life is worth nothing to me, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, how could Paul and Barnabas find unity in their disagreement by staying on mission? They had an eternal perspective. They weren't caught up in this or hoping for that. They understood what the uh, eternal perspective was. That nothing in the world is worth anything to them unless they can continue telling people about Jesus. And they understood that unity was not uniformity. So they weren't uniform in how they did things. But what happened to their relationships? What happened to the relationships between Paul and Barnabas and John Mark? Uh, this split, was it forever or was it momentary? Well, we don't know about Paul and Barnabas, but we do know about Paul and John Mark. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Um, Paul, he's talking to one of his other disciples. His name is Timothy. And, he, and, he, and he's saying to Timothy, uh, he's kind of toward the, toward the end of his life as well, and, and he knows that you know, ministry has been hard. It's beaten him down. And he says in verse 9, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Side note, I love that, des- that that's, a, that's a prayer of desperation. That's a, that's a request of desperation. Um, if, I'm, if I'm available and you text me and you say, Corey, please come as soon as you can, I'll be there as soon as I can if I'm able. Because people don't ask those things unless they're really desperate. Like Paul is desperate. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas, he's deserted me because he loves the things of this life has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. That's my favorite, favorite uh, town name in Scripture, Dalmatia. Uh, old, uh, old, uh, old Titus, he's, he's gone to the dog. Uh, only Luke is with me. Sorry, that's a really bad dad joke. Uh, only Luke is with me. But get this, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. You see that? See, Paul, he, he didn't say goodbye to John Mark forever. Uh, it was a momentary thing. So late in Paul's ministry, he asks uh, Timothy to bring Mark along with him. And they uh, reconcile and uh, continue to do some ministry together. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this, this division, this, this moment of disunity, um, or, or rather this moment of unity but disagreement? We can learn this. As Christians, we need to learn these three things. Number one, we must be unified on the goal. You must be unified on the goal. Listen, 
If, if, if you call Jesus Christ Lord, if he's your savior, if you call redemption home, I need you to hear this. And I need you to be unified on this goal. That outside of this church, there are people that don't know Jesus. And last week we said this. I, I said to you that the road to hell is paved with people who knew and know cowardly Christians. The road to hell is paved with people who don't have people who know Christ who will open up their mouth and tell them about Jesus. And so if, if you call redemption home and if you're a Christ follower, your life should be worth nothing to you unless you can tell others about Jesus. That's it. It's very simple. You know, following Jesus, it's not always easy, but it's simple. Um, you know, I love, uh, I, I love back in... Back in the day when I was uh, playing football or something like that, my coach would, would pull me back and he'd go, hey, what was the play? Well, it was, it was right 44 ram on two. Okay. What did you do? Well, I ran a right 44 waggle. Okay. So what do you need to do next time? Run right 44 ram on two. Okay. Get back in the game, right? It was very simple. Like, it, it, it wasn't hard. Like, what is the play? Well, listen, listen to me. What's the play? <laughs> like, every week the play is this, that, that our life is worth nothing to us unless we tell others about Jesus. When was the last time that we told others about Jesus? So number one, we must be unified on the goal. Number two, we will have disagreements. You're going to have disagreements. You'll have disagreements with me, okay? promise you, most of y'all already had disagreements with me. That's okay, right? Like, we're going to have disagreements. You're going to have disagreements with one another. Paul had disagreements. I mean, listen to this. He, he's talking about this guy. Listen to this. Uh, Demas. He's deserted me because he loves the things of this life. He's gone to Thessalonica, Crescens. He's gone to Galatia. Titus, he's gone to the dog. He's over in Dalmatia. Like, there are disagreements. You're going to have disagreements with people. But you can, you can be unified and still disagree. And number three, our disagreements don't have to end in severed relationships. See, um, Paul he reestablishes this relationship with John Mark. And I, I assume, I, I don't know for sure, I don't know that we can know for sure, but, but, but if, 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 he, if he reconnected with John Mark, and remember, why were, why, were, why were Paul and Barnabas having this fight? Because John Mark deserted him, he left him, right? I, I can just assume on some level that, that Paul and Barnabas also reconciled, right? They reconciled. And so we can have disagreements and they don't have to end in severed relationships. Last week, I said this. I said, if, if we don't get this right here on earth, when we get to heaven, the food's gonna taste real weird. Because as Christ followers, if you, if you believe in the resurrected Christ, then you are a Christ follower. You're gonna be in heaven next to us, right? And if you have all these severed relationships here on earth, at some point, you're gonna have to reconcile with those people. It's gonna be real awkward when the food's being passed and, and, and we're sitting next to our omniscient brother, Jesus, omniscient meaning he knows all things, and Jesus is looking over here and wondering why Jack and Ben is just sitting next to each other. No, 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 no. No, Jesus knows why Jack and Ben aren't sitting next to each other. And, and, and after 2,000 years of Jesus, he dies on the cross, and 2,000 years later, Jack and Ben, they go up to heaven, and, and Jack isn't sitting next to Ben because Jack voted for a man named Donald Trump, and Ben voted for a, a man named Joe Biden. And Jesus is going to be pretty disappointed in why we can't sit next to each other. 
Are you kidding me? There are all the things in the world, all the things in the world for us to disagree over. And the thing that severs relationships is a vote for a man in office. When was the last time that our relationships were severed because we disagreed on how to best tell others about Jesus? When was the last time that our relationships ended because one person was so passionate about telling people about Jesus this way? And this person was so passionate about telling people about Jesus this way. And we said, you know what? We're going to diverge and we're both going to tell each other, sorry, we're both going to tell people about Jesus, but we're just going to do it in different ways. Man, I said last week, you know, I, I yearn for the day and I have these prayers and that was, you know, you can go back and listen to that prayer. I yearn for the day. But this week, my prayer is this. I yearn for the day that we are unified on the most important thing in the world, that our lives are worth nothing to us unless we fulfill the work that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others about the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And shame on you. I'm serious. Shame on you. If you have severed relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who you're going to spend eternity with because they voted for someone differently than you did. That happens outside the church. It doesn't happen here. We don't do that. In the church, we are better than that. We're unified. The unity that Jesus prayed for doesn't look like splitting over votes. Unity, it doesn't mean uniformity. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's be unified that our lives are worth nothing to us unless we tell others about Jesus. Father, I thank you Thank you that you have called us to unity. I'm already excited about next week's message and uh, looking at us being ministers of reconciliation. God, I thank you that you have taught us how to be reconcilers. Just the way that Paul and John Mark, they reconciled over the gospel. God, I pray that in this room, Lord, I know, I know, I know there are relationships in this room that are severed because someone else, another Christ follower, another one of your children voted differently than, 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 than we did, whichever way we voted. God, I know that that pains you. I know that that hurts you. I know that's not what you prayed for. I know that that's not what you want. You make it so clear in scripture. And so God, I pray that you would forgive us for our disobedience. God, I pray that you would forgive us for the moments that we have chosen to, 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 to give eternal uh, perspective a backseat to earthly perspective. God, I pray that you would, you would forgive us for the times that we've taken our eyes off of God the Father and instead we've placed our eyes on, on the things of this world. 
God, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we've we spent too much time watching CNN or Fox or reading social media rather than reading our, our Bibles and being with you and, and telling others about the wonderful grace that you give us. God, I pray that in this room that you would embolden us to spread your love and truth to a world that so desperately needs it. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that unity doesn't mean uniformity and that no matter what, we need to be unified on the mission. And so God, I pray that you would unify us around that. Lord, we love you and we praise you and it's all these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.